Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody. Welcome back for a brand new episode of The Witching Hour. Every episode of the show is special, but this is an extra special one, and we're going to get to that very soon. I am Perry Nemroff, and I'm sitting with Haley Fouch. Hi, Haley. You're Hello. wearing a cool pumpkin sweater. Yep, yep. We got a few more weeks. Going to keep bringing the looks for the podcast? I expect the looks to be at peak Halloween look level for our <laughs> final episode of the month of October, right. which perfectly will debut on Halloween day. Yes. And we're doing something very special. We're shooting that at the I Love Scary Movies exhibit, which we went to earlier in the year, and they're doing it again, and we're going to actually make an episode there. Yeah, and they've got some stuff we didn't see last time, yeah. so I'm excited for the new I'm spookies. I'm super pumped. Uh, you know what else I'm really pumped for right now? The fact that we get to give cool stuff away to our viewers and our listeners. And yes. I think you got something new that you cooked up over there. I did. I'm always cooking up some some freebies for you guys. Um, so you may have heard one Miss Perry Nemiroff and I absolutely rave about a little film called Crawl this year. No way. Oh, yeah. We love ourselves some Crawl. And we have a few copies for you guys. Um, so we're going to do a couple second place winners, so to speak, that we'll, we'll get a copy of the Blu-ray, but, uh, we also have a pretty cool kit that comes with little goodies to go I with saw it. Like pictures yes. of that on uh, <laughs> social media. They're, they're fun kits. Um, and so the first place winner will get a crawl Blu-ray that will be signed by Alexandra Aja. A package of why not alligator jerky. Hey, let's get weird. Um, hope you're not a vegan. <laughs> a little squishy alligator stress toy, a beautiful crawl poster, some crawl goggles, a crawl bag, and a little crawl spinny safety light. Say I don't know what crawl those are. Crawl, five times crawl, 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 crawl. I did all right. 
You did better than I thought you would, because I don't think I'm capable of it. I gave it a shot, and I like how it turned out. So yeah, uh, I think we got two two regular Blu-rays for some folks, and then one big package with a bunch of crawl, 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 crawl branded stuff. <laughs> uh, and as usual, we're gonna we're gonna bump out a little tweet for that, and to enter, you will be required to retweet, follow the account, like. Ooh. Cool, 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 cool. I could say that a million times. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) So go do all that. Try to win some crawl stuff. But mainly just watch the movie. And even if you don't win and you haven't seen the movie, go see the movie. Go see the movie. I'm pretty certain that it's a crowd pleaser. I I would just be surprised if anyone walked away not liking it at all, you know? No, I can't really predict that. I keep trying to convince my Aunt Jerry to watch it because she doesn't really like scary movies. But that's what I keep telling her. (gasps) It's a crowd pleaser. You know what? I am going to go visit Nana this weekend, and I think we should watch Crawl together. I think you should. She would love Crawl, now that I think about it. All right, that's on the agenda. You know what else is on the agenda? Zombieland 2. Oh, yeah. I know about uh, that. We both saw it. Yes. We both liked it. We did. We reviewed it. You can watch that full we review did. on the Collider Video YouTube channel. You're going to hear the word fun a lot. Fun. It's a very fun movie. F-words are great. <laughs> um, Fucking fun. We got to continue the fun of Zombieland <laughs> 2, which is titled Zombieland Double Tap, because we got the special opportunity to interview the director of the movie, Ruben yes. Fleischer, who, of course, came back from the first movie to direct this one. And it was a great conversation. A lot of good times were had. He explained a whole bunch of cool stuff that they did in the film and right now we're going to let you listen to that full conversation so we are sitting here right now with the director of the Zombieland sequel Zombieland Double Tap Ruben Fleischer welcome to the witching hour thank you I'm so excited to be talking to you guys we have a lot of questions this was a lot of fun we saw it the other night together and I feel like it was just kind of like the jolt of of energy and that family vibe that I really needed that's awesome so the first thing we wanted to ask you a little bit about is just kind of what draws you to the zombie genre in general especially when it came to the first movie like what made you want to make a different kind of zombie movie um, well, I'll be honest, like, I didn't grow up as a huge zombie fan. I think I saw my fair share of uh, Romero movies like anybody, but it wasn't like a passion per se. What I was obsessed with as a kid was comedies. Um, and so all those classic 80s comedies are kind of in my DNA as far as being, you know, evolving as a filmmaker. So when I read the first uh, Zombieland I related it more through the lens of National Lampoon's Vacation than I did through... Like, my weigh-in wasn't the zombies. My weigh-in was that family unit and the road trip unit. And um, the zombies were more kind of window dressing uh, or some sort of, like, uh, heightened stakes. And it was really fun to get to create this post-apocalyptic world. Um, But I never could have guessed that it would have become this uh, kind of seminal zombie, you know, part of zombie culture uh, uh, when I originally set out to do it. It really is now. It's like I'll never forget the first time I saw that movie. I think think you might have heard this story. I was in shit mood because I was applying for one of my first jobs out of college, and that morning found out I didn't get it, and I was like, devastated. I couldn't handle it. I was not like mature enough to handle something like that. And that night is when I saw Zombieland and I walked out. Like 
I don't know, just feeling super good and actually smiling. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's what this movie, uh, the new one, kind of provides is an escape. Like, I think we can all agree that the news is every day kind of gets worse and worse. And so uh, what I love about this movie is that for 96 minutes, you can just go and laugh and have fun and enjoy. And I definitely think it is maybe um, a real... uh, uh, awesome thing that you can go to the theater and laugh with other people. Uh, I've seen this movie now like uh, a bunch of times at screenings with with full audiences, and and there's just so many big laughs, and it's such a joy to go to the movie theater and ha- have that experience of participating in the audience, um, which I feel like is less and less happening these days, especially for comedies. Um, and so it, it's great to be able to go to a theater. And, and watch this movie with friends. Coming back to it after a decade, did you had your zombie horizons expanded in that decade, having made the first one, or did you did you very much have the same entry point into it? Yeah, I I, I kind of uh, haven't watched much of uh, the. I've never seen an episode of uh, Walking Dead. <laughs> I I saw World War Z, which I appreciated. Uh, and that definitely informed our finale, where we had like the hordes of of um, T eight hundreds that were many of whom were computer generated, kind of in part inspired by what they were able to do in World War Z. Um, but yeah, I'm not a huge consumer of zombie culture, so my my touchstone was just the original and wanting to try and capture the spirit and the magic uh, that we uh, that we had with the first one. Even though you haven't watched, you know, Walking Dead and maybe certain other things that are out there making the zombie genre huge, did you approach this new movie with a different mentality, like kind of comparing making a zombie movie for a 2009 audience compared to a 2019 audience? Not specifically. I mean, like like I said, I think the priority was just focusing on the characters and their chemistry and the comedy. That was the most important thing. Uh, especially when it came to casting, because we have, uh, I think, five new characters who we meet in this film, and I just want to make sure that every one of them felt like they belonged in Zombieland, as well as the fact that they have unique comic personas distinct from the the original cast, and I think that uh, when people see the film, they'll be blown away by Zoe Deutsch's performance as Madison. I think you read our minds. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, she's (laughs) really uh, so incredible in this film. And then Thomas Milditch and Luke Wilson do this kind of doppelganger version of Jesse and Woody that's super fun and funny and was always one of my favorite parts of the script. And then Rosario was someone that I've just loved forever since I think I first saw her in Kids and was thrilled to have the opportunity to work with her. And she definitely felt like if you're going to think of who could be a rightful um, uh, match for Woody's character Tallahassee. Rosario's version of Nevada is one that I think is uh, really, uh, she's not only a badass, but the chemistry between them is really charming. And then Avin Josia plays uh, Berkeley, who's uh, this kind of um, misguided musician that Little Rock is charmed by and runs off with, and, and he, he was really great to work with as well. One of my favorite parts of being in the screening the other night was the, like, 
Especially a reaction from women every time he'd play a new song that's like the classic bro riffs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were so dead on. Yeah, I wish we could have afforded Oasis because that's yes. like a, a funny, uh, a funny uh, kind of meme. But uh, yeah, uh, he 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 was great. Uh, I love the free bird uh, moment. I think it's really really funny. What was it like getting uh, the original gang back together for this? Because like, after the success of the first movie, was it let's try to make this happen ASAP? I know you weren't involved in the show, but was that kind of a bump in the road for more big screen potential? Can you kind of paint a picture of what yeah, that was I mean, like? Yeah, it's a long story, so I'll try and make it as brief as I can. But there, immediately after the first film, the studio commissioned the writers, the original writers, Paul and Rhett, to mm-hmm. write a sequel uh, that I definitely was a part of developing, um, but it uh, it had the the mistake of that movie in retrospect was that the the bad guys were fellow humans, like they came across like some like a commune and and those people were actually kind of bad. And then you have like our you have a comedy where your heroes are fighting other humans, and it just like wasn't the right thing. So uh, I think we. We kind of just did one draft and said, yeah, I don't know if that's the movie we all want to go make. And so we put it on the shelf. I went off and did a couple other movies. They did that pilot without me. Um, and then uh, after Gangster Squad, I, I, I had the opportunity to have done some movies. Uh, you know, I, I got so lucky that Zombieland was my first movie, like to have that experience of working with that cast and ha- have it turn out the way it did was just so incredibly lucky. So... Um, after Gangster Squad, which didn't get the same sort of critical and commercial uh, success of Zombieland, it's kind of thinking about, wow, that was really a pretty incredible experience getting to work with that cast. And, 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 and the tone of it is just so, um, I don't know, like unique and special uh, that I, I, I talked to the studio about, like, why don't we see if we can't, you know, figure out a sequel that makes sense. And unfortunately, Rhett and Paul were. Uh, very busy doing Deadpool and so they couldn't write it but they came aboard as his executive producers and then we um, uh, hired uh, this guy Dave Callahan who came in with an incredible pitch for what might be a good story and then over the course of many many drafts uh, we got it to a place that Rhett and Paul were then uh, available to take a spin on, on, on the draft and that resulted in being the version that the cast was all excited to go make. I think everyone, especially Woody, but all of the cast, felt uh, very protective of the first movie and would only agree to do a sequel if they felt like it truly had the, the potential to be as good as the first one. And, and they had to have that confidence in order to sign up. And it kind of took that final draft from Rhett and Paul to get it to a place that everyone was willing to sign up. You could feel that when you're watching it. I mean, it goes back to the family mentality. I feel like, yes, they are wonderful actors, but when you can feel like that genuine passion and excitement to be back together working on this franchise again, it just it comes through the screen. That's fantastic. Yeah, that makes me proud because, uh, you know, we just really didn't want to do anything that would tarnish the, the first one. Um, and the, the greatest compliment that anyone can give me about this movie is that it that it's as good or, or even better than the, the, the first one, which last night at the premiere, I was, I was thrilled that many people said they thought it was, it was even funnier uh, than the first one. So that was really nice to hear. It's funny that you, you say you've never watched Walking Dead. This is just sort of a side note. Like, 
the idea of the the humans becoming the bad guys is literally what they do every season in The Walking Dead. That's funny. It's a funny pair of comments to hear you say back to back. But but that movie's also, or that show's not a comedy. I was just going to say, yeah. And so I think for drama, I think it makes sense. But, you know, there's a joy to Zombieland. Like, it's fun. You know, I mean, at its core, I think that's what it is. And it just becomes a little more grave when it's people fighting or potentially killing other people. It just, you don't want to see like Tallahassee murdering people, but, <laughs> but you can watch them kill zombies all day, you know? Pretty so, much. so, uh, I think that, I think maybe that is a line for comedy that you can't cross, or at least for agree. this, the tone of this movie. Well, also because so much of, I think why Zombieland and this one are such joyful films to participate in is the era of fantasy, you know? I'll always remember the like the scene of them fucking up the store in the first film because that's someone when everyone's wanted to do that at some point, yeah. right? And you guys get to you know play house in in the White House. All this once yeah, you, it's wish you, fulfillment. Like, yeah, it really murder is, like, is a different kind of yeah, wish fulfillment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Like uh, that's it is a joy like of imagining if you can do anything in the post-apocalypse. Like, what are you going to do? Um, and, and that that was actually really fun just from a production design standpoint, like coming up with the idea of the White House and then figuring out how to execute it and how would they decorate it. If you can go to the Smithsonian and pilfer whatever you want, um, Tallahassee's like man cave where he's working on the beast is a really cool set that kind of, I wish I'd featured a little bit more of all the detail that was in there. And then uh, I think the Babylon set as well, like those guys, the, the, the way that those hippies built their commune, the, our production designer's named Martin Whist, and he's just supremely talented in the way he was able to add so much richness to the Hound Dog, to Babylon, and, and into the White House. Uh, he, he really deserves a lot of credit. Babylon was, when we were watching the movie, I was like, that would have been a cool set to visit, which yeah. is not yeah. something that goes through my head a lot in it, movies. It was so cool, and what's really neat about it is that it was in two places. So there was the ground level... Uh, where they enter with that, you know, the the perimeter wall, and that's where they end up doing the monster truck battle and all that stuff. And so that was at a like an abandoned old. I think at one point it was maybe a hotel in the north of Atlanta, and it just was derelict. But uh, we were able to transform it, and and like just the way that he was able to paint all those shipping containers, and um, they made sculptures out of road signs. I mean, it's very inspired by like Burning Man and like um, kind of outsider art that we'd found from different communes and stuff. But then the rooftop was actually built on a, on a pad, like on a just cement pad on the back lot of Pinewood, uh, Atlanta, where they had filmed like the waterfall sequence for Black Panther and stuff. It's just like a, you know, just like a empty area that they can put up green screens and shoot stuff. And so that was built uh, on the ground, even though it looks like it's on the top of a building, and uh, and Martin, his approach, not only because it was we had limited budget, but he kind of went into the mentality of how would the, these hippies build this out. And so he just would go to junkyards and he'd find like a million like headboards from beds, and he's like, okay, I'm going to make this wall out of headboards, like this balcony or whatever. Or he found like a ton of bicycle wheels and so he got the weld the the welding department to just weld this canopy of like bicycle wheels and so it was all very like um organic the way it evolved it's not like he sketched out 
a plan of what he thought it should look like. It was like he found a food truck. He's like, okay, I'll put the food truck. That's where they serve the food from, or like you know. And it was all like, or he found like a old um, like a, like a trailer that you would sleep in that kind of looked like a pig. And so he like had them paint it like a pig. And like it, in our the painters too just deserve so much credit because that was so much you know square footage to cover. But he kind of just gave them full permission. Uh, and there's this woman, Shannon, that was the head of the painting department. And they all just kind of went wild. And I think it was kind of a dream come true for them to be able to just create art on that scale, you know, as a part of your job. It, it, I think that it, it was kind of a dream experience for uh, a lot of the set decoration and, and uh, painting and production design departments. I love the wish fulfillment element of it. And we play this game all the time where we're like, who's surviving a horror movie? Who's surviving a zombie apocalypse? So have you ever given much thought to like where you would call home yeah. and what car you would drive? I would be uh, probably dead pretty quick in a zombie <laughs> apocalypse. I don't think I would last very long. My cardio is not where it should be. Um, but yeah, that was fun. I mean, um, there there was uh, so many versions of, of this script. At one point... They were living in uh, the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, like which is, I guess apparently state art stadium, and that was kind of evolved to what Babylon became. But uh, Rhett and Paul, this, this was in the original uh, sequel that the the bad commune guys were living at um, the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, and that they had turned what was so neat. I remember the visual was that they had turned the field into a farm, and so they had just rows of corn growing on the football field and like that was just a, that's how they sustain themselves and then and then it's a natural fortified thing because it you know you can't get inside of the commune or, or inside of the stadium without access and so that 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 kind of evolved to babylon but that you know it's kind of fun just thinking like you know graceland white house like what are the iconic places of where you could live and that that's the joy of of the movie and also just the the process feel like i'm a too much of a cliche and I would end up in a mall. Maybe not a freezer in a mall, but I feel like thanks to yeah, Dawn, of the, Dawn Dead, of the Dead, my, my yeah. mind is morphed. It yeah. probably I just think that's where you go. came to their mind for Dawn of the Dead for a good reason, though. Yeah. It's a great place to yeah. shack yeah. up. Everything. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Do you, I mean, I also, she she thinks that she'd do very well in an apocalypse. My I cardio think is that good. I, I'm not, cardio's all right, but I'm worried more about emotional reactions. <laughs> like, I think I'd be very stupid because I'd be so emotional. But who do you think, like, out of your, your cast and your crew has the best shot? I think probably Woody, yeah. yeah. Uh, he seems like a pretty resourceful guy. And he lives in Hawaii, I think, in, like, some sort of commune-type situation. So... Yeah, my, my my money would be on a, a Woody for sure. I would I would believe in that choice. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably what I'd guess. You've got a whole bunch of sequences in this, mostly the action-based ones that look like they were a huge challenge. I have a feeling I might know what you might say to something like this, but of all of them in the movie, which one was the most difficult to pull off? Um, they each had their unique challenges, but the, the biggest challenge for us was... Uh, was time and money because uh, we actually shot this movie in fewer days and with a smaller second unit than the first movie, hmm. even though it was much bigger in scale. And I'm lucky that I've done movies between the two because I, I learned a lot about how to shoot action and how to use your resources smartly. Um, but um, the monster truck sequence was a challenge because 
I'd never come near a monster truck before this movie. And <laughs> you so have to go to a monster truck rally at some point. We that did. Is, it's totally not my thing, but I went once, yeah. and I had a great time. Yeah, we went to a monster truck rally, and uh, our the guy whose monster truck we used for the movie is named Kevin King, and he... Uh, he drives in the Monster Jam. Like, that's his job, is he's a monster truck driver. And so we rented him and his truck, which we then put that shell of the the big fat death on. He drives a car named Fluffy. Um, Fluffy. But he, uh, <laughs> we put that, we built those shells for this movie. But yeah, I just never dealt with one of those before. And I didn't know that, they're, you know, they're so unpredictable and kind of, out of control that we couldn't put anyone safely in proximity of it. And so all the zombies had to be CG for that whole monster right. truck section, which was just a big leap of faith when you have a, part, a, a monster truck driving around an empty parking lot. And you're supposed to believe at some point that's going to actually be an exciting sequence. <laughs> um, so uh, that, that was the, probably the most challenging just in terms of relying on... Um, you know, CG zombies to look good, but I'm really happy with the way that all turned out when it's just mowing them over. I mean, I think it looks really cool, and the backflip and everything is is really cool. But um, but the funnest thing to do was the uh, the fight with the doppelgangers at the Hound That's Dog. That's the one that I was predicting. Yeah. I thought yeah. that sequence was incredible. It's like I got the same rise out of that sequence that I did out of the uh, grocery store sequence uh-huh. in the first one. Oh, great! Yeah, no, I'm really proud of how that turned out. Um, it's pretty seamless, you know. There's, I think, seven cuts in, in that um, to make it look like all one cut or one take. Um, but it was so fun. And it was so collaborative. Um, we they had rehearsed it with the stunt guys, but not with me. I think the cast. They kind of all separately while we we're shooting would go over to that location and walk through the action. Um, but then when we came in to shoot, we had a template, what's called a stunt biz, where they kind of shoot their version of it with stunt guys and then you kind of you know take the good and bad from that and uh and then execute it ourselves um but it it was just so collaborative and i i had um the guy who was doing the video playback give me each time we do a a a section of it he'd give me that section and i'd put in iMovie and i was cutting the sequence in iMovie like as we were going along and we wouldn't move on until we knew that the previous take was exactly how we wanted it and that the cut wherever the cut was was seamless Mm -hmm. to the next one and what was really cool is that like after each piece was added to to the sequence me and the cast would watch it all to see where where we had gotten to in in the fight and then we uh you know would, would just keep moving forward and it allowed for us to keep kind of watching it as it grew and evolve it and figure out other opportunities for either action or comedy within it. And it was just a really collaborative part and took a day and a half to shoot that whole sequence. Um, but it was really, really fun. And then, uh, you know, we, we had to add all in all, like, the blood and the gunfire and all that stuff in CG. But um, the, the actors did almost all the stunts themselves. There's two of the, with what feels like one take, there's two sections of it that, are stunt guys and not the actors uh, in, in that one shot, and we we're able to cut between them without it, you know, seamlessly without it uh, drawing attention to itself. Without spoiling anything, what is it like having a, a makeup transition happening during something that's supposed to come across as a one-er, especially if I, I guess 
this is where you hide your cuts when there's like a very noticeable part of the transition happening? Uh, are you talking about with uh, with those guys? Yeah. We actually didn't do too much changing in the makeup, I don't think, over the course of that. But I, I could be mistaken. Um, I think we kind of set the baseline at the beginning and then... And a uh, lot came through just like their physical performance. Uh, I felt it. I felt the intensity awesome. increasing. That's awesome. Maybe we did, but I, I don't remember that. I love how we just so artfully danced around spoilers, by the way. I'm very <laughs> proud right now. When, yeah, I was curious if this is coming out before them. I mean, it feels like... This will be more greatly appreciated if one has seen the movie. It could be. That's yeah. true. We'll revisit the schedule. Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm um, all for I'm promoting now, now the... I'm racking my brain for all the spoiler questions. Well, yeah. I, no, I, 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 I'm all for promoting the movie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, one burning question we did leave the, uh, the theater with was, uh, where are the Twinkies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's something <laughs> we, we get asked. But, and, you know, it's a fine line. We actively didn't want to just go back to that well and retread the same territory but uh in hindsight i wish that we had given it a little bit more lip service there's a uh shot of the beast the the um what is it called the hood ornament of the beast (laughs) is twinkie the kid and so there's a shot that starts when the girls uh have taken off in his car it starts framed up on the twinkie between the bullhorns and then it pushes in on them as they're driving and so and you can see it a little bit in the wide shot of the beast when it's at um when he's working on it in the beginning but uh yeah so that was the only acknowledgement uh there was an improv scene in the mall where jesse and woody went back and forth and and woody's all pissed about something and jesse's like well do you want me to get me a a twinkie and and, and woody's character says I told you never use that word again. And uh, <laughs> so we did acknowledge it, but uh, there was other reasons we had to cut that exchange from the, from the movie. I went like, we were riding home from the theater, and I was like, I'm going deep on this. What happened? Because, you know, it got bought out by new owners. I was like, is this a business situation? Where are the <laughs> No, Twinkies? I think it was like uh, being a little, like intentionally not wanting to, like just kind of go down that road. But I, in, in hindsight, that that's probably something I would change. Like maybe just have a leasing acknowledgement just for... Like, I love, like, the 406 name drop, and I um, feel like at the premiere, at least, people, it got, like, some, you know, laughs or applause of recognition of, like, oh, yeah, 406, and so maybe we probably should have given Twinkies a little bit more, too. I like your calm, though, about, like, I should have done that, but I didn't. I feel like I, I'm the type of person, I know she is, too, like, if you do something and you wish you had done it the other oh, way, God. you'll spend, like, the next ten years beating yourself over. <laughs> or I would just Because I'm, like, learning things <laughs> here. Yeah, exactly. No, the, the thing about movies is, is that they kind of are a moment in time, like, uh, you know, if you had forever to work on them, they would just, you'd never, you just right. constantly change it. Like, you're... You, I think someone said, like, you're never really done. You just run out of time. And so, like, yeah, with unlimited resources, I would. there's a lot of things I would do differently. And honestly, if I had to have locked the movie a month ago, it would be different than it was if I had to do it last week or if, or if it was in another month. It just is a constantly evolving thing. Um, but, yeah, you know, but I, I only know this having finished it and people saying what happened to the Twinkies that I'm able to be like, oh, yeah, we probably should have. Do that. We do a filmmaking would you rather game every once in a while, but I have one question that I'm curious to know your answer to. Would you rather have enough time and not enough money or enough money and not enough time? It's it's kind of a 
they're the same. Money and time are the same. Because uh, uh, the cost of a day is so expensive in shooting that, that they're, they're, it's synonymous. So I'd rather have money. Uh, Usually I can trip I can people buy, up and they'll pick one or the I can other buy, and not get it back. <laughs> I can buy some time with my money. There you go. Uh, but yeah, that, that's ultimately what decides how much time you have is uh, the budget. How okay. long did you guys have to shoot on this? I think we, I don't want to be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was 41 days to shoot the movie, which isn't a ton. Uh, the first movie, I think, was 42. But right. uh, my numbers might be off by one or two, but uh, I, I know that we had one fewer day on this one. I'm pretty sure it was 41 days. I hate asking this when the movie hasn't even hit theaters, but are you guys leaving the door open to more? Because, again, I think these two movies go hand in hand, and... They're full cinematic experiences, but it almost has episodic appeal to me where, like, I just, I want to see the next chapter of their story. Yeah, I mean, I could watch these guys forever. They're just such a fun group of characters and such an amazing uh, cast uh, that brings them to life uh, that I could watch it forever. But I think as hard as it was to come up with the story for this one that was worthy of the first think uh, depending on how this is received we'll see um, but my hope will be that it, uh, people feel like it's as good as the first one and so then that will make um, trying to deliver a third even more challenging so we'll just have to uh, see what people think of this one and then see if we're able to generate a, a script that's uh, worth shooting Written for you guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also, I have to imagine it was quite a logistic challenge just to get everyone's schedules to work at mm-hmm. the same time with the cast you guys put together on this. Especially, you know, Emma Stone was not doing poorly when Zombieland came out, but her career has skyrocketed in a sense, you could say. Yeah, I think I think you can say it. <laughs> yeah. When we made the first movie, I mean, she was only 20. She couldn't get into, like, bars. Like, uh, we could walk down the street anywhere. No one knew who she was. Like, um, same with Jesse. And so in that time, uh, a lot has changed, I think, for them. Um, but, yeah, scheduling is always a tricky part of the equation, especially with people that are so busy as, as these guys. Mm-hmm. What about from just a performance perspective? Reuniting with the four of them, did anyone really grow as an actor that made you go, like, whoa, like, didn't know you could do that? I mean, Emma's just incredible. She's so, so talented. I mean, when you edit a movie, you have to watch it like a thousand times. Like, I've seen this movie so many times. Um, But every time I watch it, I find I'm drawn to watching her off-camera reactions when she's not even talking because she's just so interesting and so present in every moment. And it's so subtle, but if... uh, if you watch the movie, especially without sound, and you just watch her, I mean, she's just doing so much at all times. She's she's at the height, of, top of her game. She's just really uh, incredible. But yeah, they're all they're all so good. I mean, th- these are some of the greatest actors in the world, and certainly some of the funniest people in the world. So I feel just so lucky to have had a chance to work with them again. I didn't know that Woody Harrelson could sing like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty incredible. But that story he tells Nevada. In the bar is uh, his own story. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that, that's actually the story of how Woody Harrelson became an actor. Is that I think he was kind of a jock uh, in high school, and uh, but he happened to love Elvis and did this impression that he did for his buddies, 
And then his buddy really did um, kind of challenge him or dared him to, in the middle of finals, get up on a uh, table in the library at his high school and he, he didn't do his Elvis, which he did. And then it's real, really true that I think her name was Robin Rogers uh, came over and uh, told him that he should be in the drama club. And, uh, and it was, I think, both the attention of everyone in that room as he was performing, as well as the attention of Robin Rogers, <laughs> that uh, sparked his, uh, his interest in, in theater and performing. And he, he started doing plays uh, and then went on to theater school as a result of that experience of doing all this in the library, which he, he tells the story of in, in the film. As now it's even cuter. As we wind down, do we want to go to our typical last two questions? Sure. I'll let you take one first. Surprise me. All right. Uh, well, since you know you're not a huge zombie person, you say, but um, do you like horror in general? Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool, great. What is the, what's like something you've read or watched, TV, movies, video games, whatever, in the genre lately that you would like to point other people in the direction of? Ooh, that's a tough one. Specifically horror? Oh, we can bend it. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, there's nothing that I think I could expose that people aren't aware of. Um, but there's a, a show on Netflix that's the is not horror at all but I just discovered that I think so funny called I think it's People Know Nothing or People Just Do Nothing that's a British mockumentary show about these like underground pirate radio DJs Hmm. that is shot like the office like in terms of mockumentary but it's just it's just it wasn't on my radar at all and it is so funny and I've really been enjoying that show. I need to check that out now. Yeah. Uh, the second burning question we have for you is, do you have any pets? We have a pet fish named Wags, but we're on to our third Wags. Because <laughs> uh, Wags <laughs> is, don't, don't last so long. But uh, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and so we just keep getting the same wags. color Wags. Needs to live on. Yeah. <laughs> I think we were like on the way home from Zombieland when we discussed this. (laughs) Yeah, I think my, uh, I think they know that like uh, they're like, where'd Wags go? Like, oh, he went on vacation. Oh, Wags is back, and you're like, yeah, Wags is back. Yeah, they look exactly. My parents tried to replace like a yellow guinea pig with a black and white one, and I was not having it. (laughs) No, these are yeah, you could never tell. It's actually pretty pretty incredible. Ruben, thank you so much for your time today. Everybody, go check out Zombieland 2 in theaters this weekend. How great was that interview, Haley? Right? Super fun. So before we wrap this episode up, we thought it would be a lot of fun to kind of run with something that came up during the interview. The idea of, you know, a Zombieland 2 style wish fulfillment. So let's talk it through right now. And I think we can uh, we can throw out options for each other as well. (laughs) I want to figure out right now. What is your dream house for Zombieland? Your dream ride? And then also, let's let's revisit the will we, won't we survive? Because I think when we play by Zombieland rules, that changes the conversation just a little. It's like we have to we have to basically picture that the tone of the world is Zombieland tone. So like nobody cares when people die. That's 
fairly accurate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's no emotional trauma whatsoever ever in any situation. But also, all all of our actions have a more playful vibe to it. Yeah. So, house. Mm. Let's start with house. This is tough. First of all, I think they already took a lot of the best options because that's why they took them. Yeah. But if I'm not going to say a mall, which I still maintain is just really smart. I go straight to the mall too. Maybe like the Louvre, like a freaking art gallery that has 10 years worth of shit to entertain me. Where would you rest your head? (gasps) I have my answer. They've got vaults in the Louvre, man. It's like the most cherished art in the world. Yeah, I I think I just came up with the answer. Mm. I'm going to Guillermo del Toro's house. Oh, that's a really good one. <laughs> that's I'm excellent. Go, I'm going to Guillermo's yeah. because I'm I'm sure it's like a beautifully furnished home as far as you know any old nice home goes, <laughs> but also with all the stuff I know he has yes. inside. That was one of my favorite, still to this day, that's one of my favorite set visits of all time. And I'll never forget it because it was a very important visit to me. It was for Crimson Peak. Mm -hmm. It was important because that was the last work-related thing I did before we went and we shot Child Eater the Feature. So I just feel like that was the right source of motivation before jumping into making my first feature. But also, it was just one of the coolest things to actually get to see because we went and we visited the soundstage and they had that you know not entirely but a good deal of that what is a three-story four-story house built there on the set it's like when you stepped into that set it wasn't like you were walking into one room at a time you could walk up the stairs and go to the top you can go to the kitchen and the library and i feel like one of the things that i remember from that set visit is that Guillermo wanted to keep the like the balcony, you know, the entrance of the mansion and how if you look up, there's there's like a a second floor balcony in a sense, like a landing. I feel like he kept that entire piece. Oh, wow. Yeah. But he's definitely got cool stuff. I remember that. When did you guys go on that? Like 2013? 14. 14? That would be 14 in March. I remember after that, everyone who was there would never shut up about it for like two years because of the working elevator. It was a really, really, really cool set. But it had a working elevator, which is impressive. It was a cool set. And it was also just like talking to Jessica Chastain in full costume. And she played the piano and she was nice. And Tom (laughs) Hiddleston was there. And it seemed like a set full of really nice people yeah did you guys talk to jim beaver no he's got a very small role but he just seems nice it we we saw i mean it would have been nice to talk to jim beaver but the other thing that we saw that was really cool is like the whole maquette of the entire house all built and i don't know i just like looking at things like that i like looking at craftsmanship like that how about a movie studio could be there you go that is huh that's a very clever idea. You could certainly entertain yourself. Make little movies. Huh. I mean, maybe not. I don't know how electricity is faring. Actually, it seems to be fine. Well, I actually thought about that <laughs> in Zombieland, too. Oh, wait, because don't they say something they about s- the dam? They say, yeah, yeah. They say something about, you know, a dam or water, some sort of water-related power yeah. situation. But they did. I thought about it when they were in the White House because there was electricity in there. And then someone mentions it a little while later. Oh, then I'm definitely, I changed my answer to movie studios. So right. I can just make movies all the time. Sound, sounds good. I, th- I think I'm, if that is our living situation, I'm willing to take the risk to come visit you as long as you'll visit me too. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so will. we've got our houses. Let's talk about our cars now. Oh Admittedly, <laughs> this is a stupid decision. I'm not deciding this, but I am tempted to stick with my car. That's so I little. love my Mini Cooper. I just, I love it so much. Yeah. I love it so much. And I feel like if like 
I was being hunted by something, I could just, you know, tuck it behind a corner somewhere and still hide. How many zombies do you think you could run through with that car, though, before they overtake you? You know what? I know the Mini Cooper looks like a little toy, but that car is sturdy. It's like, you know, when you shut a a metaphor for you, you know, when you small, but strong. Exactly. You know, when you cut, (laughs) when you uh, shut a car door, though, and you could just hear that it's well made. Uh That's like a Mini Cooper door. Got a nice thunk for you. Let's like have like a little more fun with this, though. I don't know. I don't really. Okay, so I don't drive. So I probably shouldn't have a car, but I would have to. So when I I just Googled cars, because <laughs> I don't know anything about them, and I found something called the Hyundai Zombie Survival Car, and what? that sounds like a good fit. What? How is that a thing? I don't know. That but is a thing. I, I think that's probably my choice. <laughs> Someone definitely just, you know, cooked that up and it exists in one place out there. Uh, oh, for sure. But I it's mean, got like a big shield on the front yeah. with spikes, spikes on the wheels. If I'm being realistic about this, I would say I, I would hope the zombie apocalypse happens in like, you know, the northeast where I grew up. And there's just a million trucks with snowplow things oh, on the sure. front. Like I don't want I don't want such a big it's like as appealing as the monster truck is in Zombieland 2. I would never pick that because no. I don't think I could drive it well. It's like even when I think about my Mini Cooper, I can freaking zip around yeah. pretty pretty easily in that thing. And so I need to consider, you know, zombie destruction but also drivability. So I feel like if I found a pickup truck with a snowplow on front in the front of it, I'd yeah, be okay. That sounds solid. Something right. along those lines. Also, the opposite of the the whatever the big big wheel. No, what's it called? <laughs> that's <laughs> monster like, truck. That's like the children's version <laughs> right, of right. the monster truck in the movie. Whatever the opposite of that is, where like you're not gonna a topple fiat? over. Oh, because I need I need a base. I need a tank. I would like a tank, a please, tank. that you literally can't I fuck mean, up. Actually, that's probably like a, I'll take a tank. A tank actually, that's very just, smart. It's my new answer. There. A tank, <laughs> yeah. or I don't know, maybe maybe a Hummer. Hummers are very drivable too. Like yeah. if you get an H two or something. Oh, yeah, that works. Also, for living arrangements, I would, like, find the richest person in the world and then go to whatever they made for themselves as a paranoid rich person. Who do you, who's a, who's a rich person that you think in addition to just having a, a has like a bunker, has like a bunker (laughs) and a Costco supply, you know, amount of survival things. I could see Zuckerberg being a bunker guy. Okay. He seems prepared. All right. So. I think if we've learned anything from the house conversation, it's that we should be like like famous person stalkers more yeah, just we so we have these areas spotted know out more about just their in personal case. homes. <laughs> All right. Let's revisit the will you won't you survive question yeah. with the rules in mind. I mean, I always go back to uh, to the first rule, to Columbus's first rule, which is cardio. Cardio. So yeah. cardio is in my favor. Got bad knees, a bad back. I'm dead. Never fired a gun. I'm dead. I care too much about the people I love. I'm dead. You've I'm never not. fired a BB gun? Okay, I fired a BB gun and I have actually fired a shotgun, but I've never fired a handgun or a machine gun or any automatic stuff. I don't think stuff. I've ever fired a real gun. I fired like BB guns in rifle. I don't even think they have riflery in camp anymore, but they did back in the yeah. day. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll amend that. I've fired a couple guns and I've never been any good at it. Okay. Uh, I feel like I'm good at it in video games, so I sure. might be good at it in real life. Hmm. No, not no? the same. <laughs> Can confirm as All someone right. who's also oh, good well. at shooting in video games. <laughs> uh, the video games don't tend to hit you back. 
Which is guns. That's guns do. Tis a fair point. Yeah. All right. I was pretty impressed with the shotgun bruise, actually. Oh, really? It was like big right down like Yeesh. the boob armpit area. Huh. Not a joke. Well, I mean, it's like, what do you add to the list to, to fight the uh, the stronger zombies, too? Oh, yeah. Because it's not even... My tank. Your tank. Yeah, you just <laughs> mow them down. Huh. All right. Well, what are what are some of these other? I mean, see, this is a rule that would probably hurt me. Travel light, because oh, I can't travel. I, could do that. I need stuffs. Like the thing. I mean, the thing that I still go back to all the time is contact solution and just those, like the boring toiletry mm. necessities, and also the fact that I'm not traveling light because I'm traveling with Dewey in a backpack. Oh I'm good God, at wearing my seatbelt. So you that are I know a I'd full on delusional about the apocalypse, I know. my love. I know. You're gonna have your cat and your friends and your 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 Mini Cooper. I mean, admittedly, so you think that? Admittedly, I don't know if I'd have any <laughs> friends because it, if the zombie—I've said this before—if the zombie apocalypse happened tomorrow, it'd be Dewey in his backpack. We'd get into the Mini Cooper and we would drive cross country to the East Coast to find my family. Mm-hmm. Good luck. You guys would be I fine. I like your, I the sound like of your version of the apocalypse sounds a lot nicer. You would all be fine in like your contained witchy backyard and you would just yeah. live happily ever after <laughs> back there. It's possible. Um, we, we would have a good week probably <laughs> and then uh, run out of wine. Not that there are any Twinkies in the movie, but if you had to pick your Twinkie of the zombie oh, apocalypse, Twinkie. what would it be? Like a good bean and cheese burrito. I don't know. That's something I would miss for sure. Oh, it's something like you like would really... Like food truck Mexican food? I mean, my mind immediately went to, like, packaged things that probably last a long oh, time. packaged. I see. I, I don't know. Yours is a little more fun than mine. It's like, if, if, if that wasn't an issue, it's like, I'd make sure I'd have an endless supply of pizza. Sure. Well, I feel like your packaged one has to be peanut butter, right? I guess so. And I guess that's kind of a smart thing to bring, yeah. too, because peanut butter stays good for a real long time, and it's protein. That's right. And fat. And sugar. Which is good when you need energy. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. There's also like all natural versions, so you don't like ruin your body with it, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, maybe if your diet one. was purely peanut butter, that'd be I problematic. Mean, look, it's not going to be good. But uh, Twinkies. I don't know if I have like a packaged one. I'd Do you really... like Twinkies? No, not even a little. I don't like Twinkies either. They're repulsive. Well, I don't think they're repulsive, but I just, I don't like Twinkies. I don't get them. The... They're like, I, well, I, I don't like cake to begin with, <laughs> but that's also like really inferior cake plus inferior frosting. I, I don't can't like party with it. I don't like cake in small doses. <laughs> I like cake for dinner. You should put that on your poster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so the truth. Um, <laughs> oh, I've actually never noticed what rule number 20 is. It says it's a marathon, not a sprint. Unless it's a sprint, then it's a sprint. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it's, it's unless it's a sprint, then sprint. Oh, fair Which enough. Actually makes good a advice. Lot of sense. Uh, good en- advice on a rule, zip- a world of running zombies. Remember, a Ziploc is on there, and I have a lot of Ziploc bags in my apartment because they're, they come in handy. These are, I'd, be bad never... about, I'd be bad about sunscreen. Oh, I'd be great about that. Never I leave never, the house I without never it. sunscreen. It's terrible. You should see my, uh, my <laughs> Apple Watch tan right now. It's embarrassing. Pack, pack your stain stick. Shoot first. I wouldn't do good at that. I don't want to kill people. Check the back seat. I feel like all the horror movies I've watched yeah, have already trained me to do that. 
Enjoy the little things. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I would add, don't just check the back seat. Check under the damn car. You don't want to get that ankle bite. That's no good. I will tell you, I despise ankle bites because that's Dewey's tactic. And it drives me <laughs> insane. It's like sometimes when I'm sitting at, uh, at my desk working... And he wants my attention and I'm not giving it to him. He knows to go straight for the ankles. Then I'll have to like sit in my chair and like tuck my feet under my ass. Otherwise, he'll, he'll keep biting me. That little That's jerk. That's your approach with zombies I love that and little cars, jerk. Too, so yeah. Just, just <laughs> tuck your, tuck your so, legs. So what's like, what's the, the wrap up of this? Are we surviving or are we not? Oh, I'm definitely not. There's not a chance. I still think I have like live, I love little bit of a chance. Optimism. A little bit of a chance. I think if I find the right people to be with, I have a chance. Mm-hmm. It's like if I on your trip in, across the country with your cat, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna in your Mini Cooper pick up a load of people, the good people, and we're gonna we're gonna make it to Long Island. Oh, the good people, yeah, all the good people. Okay, I got I love good it. people radar. That's great. I actually don't. I'm shit at that. <laughs> <laughs> I trust and like everyone. You're gonna pick up like seven hitchhiking serial killers. Well, yeah, we're rule, going to Long Island. Rule eight is get a kick-ass partner. There we go. Let's play one more time. Who is your kick-ass partner? Kick-ass like, partner. And, and go, go crazy with it, whether it's a real person you know, someone from a movie, <laughs> anything at all. Who is your kick-ass partner? Well, shit. Um, I am going to – this came to mind immediately because I've been watching too much football. I'm going to pick a, a football player. I feel like I should pick someone who is in a defensive position oh because they could tackle and probably you know keep me protected, but – my favorite football player right now, I think it's Deshaun Watson. So you know what? I'm going to take uh, the Texans quarterback with me on my journey from L.A. to New York in my Mini Cooper with my cat. And hopefully he could throw a football into a zombie's head if need be. Uh, this is just on my mind because we saw it recently. Uh, Grace from the new Terminator movie. Cheater. She's enhanced, but I said you could. So. You said any freaking movie character. Right. I pick her because she's hot, badass, enhanced. And, Damn. And I thought I had such I a good idea. I would die for her. I thought I had such a good idea, and then you topped it. Well, I mean, he's a football player. I don't know. I don't know anything about football. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm doing know. what I know, Perry. You I do what you know. I know right now. All right. I actually think that's a perfect place to wrap up because it'll transition us from this week's episode to next week's very well because we've got a whole list of things we want to discuss next week, but one of them is to give you a non-spoiler review of Terminator Dark Fate. So, yes. guys, stay tuned. Entered to win all that that good crawl stuff. Crawl, 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 crawl. I did it. (laughs) Haley, where can everybody find you on the interwebs? Uh, You can find my writing on Collider.com. You can find my musings on Twitter.com. And you can find my selfies on... (laughs) I didn't even give you the names. Uh, At Haley Fouch. (laughs) (laughs) You find me if you want to, okay? You the social medias, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I just just pimped out the name of the actual (laughs) social media website. That was great. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PNemeroff and uh, tune in next week for lots of good stuff. Then the weekend after for I Love Scary Movie Stuff. And then even though Halloween comes and goes after mm. October 31st, guess what? We don't stop celebrating horror it's here. It's always so the witching hour. You're with us forever. Thank you so much for <laughs> listening. You have officially survived the witching hour.
The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.